This classic Encounters podcast is brought to you by Encounters North. To learn more about our podcast videos and projects and to support our work, please visit EncountersNorth.org. Hi, I'm Richard Nelson for Encounters, a program of observations, experiences, and reflections on the world around us. place that's about as wild as it gets on the north coast of Alaska, the edge of the Beaufort Sea. And just in front of me is a congregation of polar bears. In the last half an hour on the young ice that stretches out toward the north here and on a nearby sand spit, I counted 13 polar bears. Some of them ambling to and fro, some of them lying on the ice just resting, and some of them right here in front of me working away at the remains of several bowhead whales that were taken by Inupiaq Eskimo subsistence hunters. And the whales were butchered in this spot, and so the remains are here, and that is what has attracted these polar bears. Just right straight in front of me, about 40 feet away right now, a female polar bear and her two cubs, probably cubs of the year. They look like they're maybe the size of a a very, very stout-looking German shepherd. She herself, a very sizable animal, so much power, as the female and her two cubs are really working away here at the big, broad spinal column bones of this whale, tugging away at strands of meat and fat and sinew. One of them now scraping with his claws. Listen to the growling. One of these cubs seems to have a bit of an attitude, and he's growling at his sibling, trying to push him out of the way as they're both trying to work on the same little piece of meat. The mother now sort of gets away from these two squabbling cubs, lifts one of her great broad paws, and she's licking the bottom of her paw. Sometimes you find yourself in a situation, and you know you're there, but you absolutely can't believe it. And this certainly is one of them. I can see another polar, two polar bears, actually, coming in this direction, off toward my right, and another one over toward the left, just sort of shambling along this way, and I suspect they're gonna be on the scene fairly soon. These whale bones are huge. Boy, I'd say 15 to 20 feet long, great mass of bones. The female now scratching away. You can hear her. Listen to the sound as she's grabbing chunks of meat and blubber there and pulling back and tearing off chunks and scratching at them with her paws. The polar bear, of course, is one of the craftiest, most powerful, most beautiful, most compellingly fascinating predatory animals anywhere on Earth. It's the world's largest land carnivore. Distinction actually shared with the coastal brown bears of Alaska. The big males of both species, polar bear and brown bear, weigh about 1,600 pounds. It's really a stretch to call polar bears a land animal, as I did a minute ago. They live mostly on the Arctic ice pack. And out off to the north here, now over the horizon, beyond a great expanse of young ice and open water, is that Arctic ice pack. It's like a sprawling, frozen continent, a continent that perpetually moves with the wind, with the tide, with the great gyres of the polar current, crushes into enormous piles and ridges of ice, fractures into networks of cracks, wide leads and ponds of open water. It's one of the most physically complex and challenging environments anywhere on Earth, and no animal has mastered it like the polar bear. Our mother polar bear now 
reaching in and digging and pulling back on these strands of meat that she's working at. She's also got lots of company, as you can hear in the background. There are probably about 20, 25 glaucous gulls. That's an Arctic gull, really found only in the very northern parts of the circumpolar world. Well, everything about the polar bear is shaped to life on the Arctic ice. The most obvious is the creamy white fur for camouflage. Helps to conceal the polar bear from seals, from other prey animals. Also conceals them from their only predator, which of course is humans. They have long, glossy outer hairs. I can see those very, very thick outer hairs right now. Those glossy hairs, I watched one out here in the ice a little while ago fell down through the ice and got up and shook off the water. Imagine being in that frigid water. And you could see how those long outer hairs of the polar bears hide easily shed water. The water just flinging off, dripping off of its outer fur. Now underneath that is a dense woolly underfur that's important to keep these animals warm. How they can stay warm. Maybe you can hear the wind in the microphone cutting bitter cold wind out of the northeast today, overcast skies, light snow on the ground all around, ice out here to the north. I mean everything about this place says cold and everything about the polar bears that I'm watching says perfectly comfortable. I watched one a little while ago laying out here on the ice just as comfortable as if it were laying in a summer lawn of grass on the 4th of July in the hot sun. These animals are built for cold. They also have, of course, a thick layer of fat underneath that underfur to insulate them against this deep cold, against the blizzards, against the frigid water here in the Arctic. Their body, as I look at the female now, reaching out her neck, long, sleek body compared to the very closely related grizzly bear. The polar bear has a long neck. It's almost snake-like, very, very long body, long skull. They're streamlined. They're shaped for life in and around the water. Another bear coming in fairly close now, kind of wandering back and forth, reaching its nose up into the wind, sniffing, smelling the air, the dark eyes, the dark nose. I can see those broad paws patting across the thin gray ice here. The ice actually I can see bending underneath that polar bear as it comes closer. And it spreads out its legs a little bit just to distribute its weight a little more widely. The female now stops, looks up, sees this male coming, doesn't appear to be terribly happy about it. This female is a fairly boisterous, tempestuous one. And listen, you can hear a cub now. This one cub really has an attitude, likes to growl. Actually, walking straight toward me now, the mother comes up to it. I can see her big, broad paws. Those are great for paddling. They're excellent swimmers, these animals. They paddle with those big front paws. They're partially webbed, actually, and then their hind legs will trail loosely behind in the water like rudders. Very interesting, as if you're dog paddling with your arms and just letting your legs trail behind. Sometimes polar bears are seen in big water, many, many miles beyond the site of ice or shore. They are animals that are built not only for life on the ice, but also for life in the water great size and prodigious strength in these animals. They make the polar bear an awesome predator. Adult male polar bears, eight to 10 feet long, usually 600 to 1200 pounds. The female smaller, 400 to 700 pounds. I'll bet this female right here is near that 700 pound mark. Boy, is she a big brawny creature with a great full belly. Little short tail I can see there, fairly small rounded ears, licking her chops, her 
tongue flicking in and out, pink tongue walks straight toward me, now turns toward the big spinal column of this whale. Sharp claws, she's clawing now at the spinal bones, clawing at that meat, very, very sharp for digging, for traction, for hunting, and long canine teeth. Actually, as she bites at it, I can see the big canine teeth, really formidable for grabbing and killing prey. And then they have jagged cheek teeth. They're molars for shearing and chewing meat. They look very different from the brown and grizzly bears on the coast and in the interior of Alaska, but actually quite closely related. In zoos, in fact, polar bears and brown bears have mated and produced fertile offspring. So there's a demonstration of the fact that those two kinds of bears, different as they appear to be, are very close relatives. Polar bears are most abundant near the Arctic coastlines of Alaska, Arctic Canada, Greenland, Norway, Russia, all the way around the circumpolar world. They like to live fairly near these northern shores, but they will also wander far out onto the ice pack. In fact, polar bears have been seen almost at the North Pole, so they really move around out there on the great ice-covered Arctic Sea. I'm a little distracted here. Listen to that growling. That other bear is now coming in fairly close. The female looks like she's not very happy about it, sounds like she's not very happy about it. Polar bears have a home area but they wander very widely. This is an enormous home that polar bears live in. Tagged polar bears that biologists have monitored have covered from 1,000 to almost 4,000 miles every single year. The average home range of a polar bear off the northwest coast of Alaska, almost 100,000 square miles. That's about the size of Colorado, so polar bears are animals that know how to move around. One polar bear that was tagged by biologists at Prudhoe Bay, not far from where I'm standing right now, turned up almost 3,000 miles away in northern Greenland. There are roughly 25,000 polar bears in the world. Now, that's not a lot. Compare that to the fact that there are 30,000 grizzly bears just here in Alaska. The Alaska population of polar bears, 4,000 to 8,000 animals. Oh boy, listen to this. That other bear coming in, the female, really unhappy. This new bear is probably a male. Now these bears, every fall, they'll swim in across a great stretch of open water. The ice pack is clear out over the horizon to come ashore here on the north slope. And they're drawn here by the beached walrus carcasses, beached dead seals, whale carcasses, and the remains of bowhead whales, like the ones right in front of me here, that the Inupak hunters have taken in open water and then towed in and butchered on shore. Oh boy, that female bear is standing in front of the whale bones and sort of chomping. You hear that sort of chuffing sound? She is not welcoming this new visitor, this other polar bear, and there's two more coming from other directions. Polar bears are usually solitary animals. Oh my goodness, listen to this. They get stressed and aggressive as she is right now. Both of these animals Listen to that. That's her chomping her jaws and chuffing. Polar bears are not social animals. She lowers her head, stretches out her neck. That's an aggressive posture. Hissing, chuffing. The two, the female and the male, stand up on their hind legs. 
Jaw to jaw, wide open, no real serious biting. But oh boy, she is just saying, stay away from me, stay away from my cubs. The two cubs kind of standing back a little, looking as if, wow, this is awesome. She's got one cub that's pretty grumpy, the one that's been doing all the growling and trying to get its sibling away from the food it wants. One of those cubs kind of bit at her a little while ago and she turned right around and bit it right back. Not seriously. Oh, she stands majestically on top of a huge whalebone here right now as if she's posing. My goodness. There have been up to 20 to 30 polar bears here over recent weeks. There were six or seven grizzly bears, but all gone now. Early in October, they've got to go and find themselves a hibernation den. Polar bears don't have that same thing, as I'll explain. They don't necessarily hibernate during the winter. Although polar bears like to come to shore in the fall time and do this scavenging and have done it for a long, long time because I remember Inupiaq people telling me about it back in the 60s. But normally polar bears are hunters and they specialize in hunting seals. Their main prey is a kind of seal called the ring seal. They weigh about 120 pounds when they're adults. They're always found near pack ice. Polar bears and ring seals are kind of a pair. These bears are extraordinarily crafty and intelligent predators. And you can see that in the many clever ways they have of hunting seals. For example, they'll go out to the edge of openings and they'll wait there until they spot a seal bobbing up in the water. Then they'll slip very slowly and carefully down into the edge of the water, swim underneath the water and grab the seal from below. During the wintertime, of course, there's often no open water at all. The pack is just solid ice, no cracks, no ponds. When that happens, the seals have breathing holes. They scratch these tunnels up through the ice, a small dome of thin ice at the surface with a little hole on the top about the size of a quarter. The seal has to come up at intervals for air at those breathing holes, and bears have learned that. <laughs> another very large polar bear coming in from the ice and listen to the sound here goodness. <laughs> polar bears have a remarkable sense of smell. From a mile away, a polar bear can pick up the scent of a seal's breathing hole covered by several feet of packed snow. They can also smell carrion, dead animals, from at least 10 miles away. Just imagine being able to smell anything from a fairly small source at a distance of 10 miles. Polar bears can do that. Through the spring and summer, when it's easiest to catch seals, polar bears will often kill one seal every four to five days. Interestingly, they almost always eat the skin and blubber of the seal first. Oftentimes, they'll leave the rest of the carcass. That's why polar bears are often followed by the white arctic foxes. The little, almost cat-like arctic foxes have learned to follow the tracks of the polar bears around out there on the ice and scavenge the leftovers. Holy cow, here comes a great, huge boar. As this bear comes up again, now listen to that female. The 
big boar growling right back as it comes up. Man, that is a huge animal. Remember I was saying up to 1,600 pounds? Polar bears will also prey on other animals here in the north. One is the bearded seal. The larger version of an arctic seal lives amid the ice pack just like ring seals, but these animals weigh up to 750 pounds. Polar bears will also occasionally kill a walrus. Usually it's just a little pup walrus that's about the size of one of those ring seals. They do that usually in the summertime when the walruses are on ice pans out here in the Arctic Ocean. But there are many records of polar bears being killed because they were speared by the tusks of the walruses. Polar bears also hunt for beluga whales. They get trapped sometimes in cracks or holes in the ice and polar bears will hunt them there. Rarely polar bears have been known to take caribou, muskox. Sometimes they've even been seen trying to catch seabirds by swimming up underneath them. On land, they'll also sometimes catch ground squirrels, lemmings. They'll eat bird eggs, fish, plants, berries. But usually, it's the seal that's the staple food of the polar bear. Well, as winter wanes on, from late March and into May, the male polar bears wander around a lot following the tracks and the alluring scents of females. If he finds a female in estrus, a female who's ready for mating, that male polar bear will stay with her for a few days of polar bear passion out there on the ice. Once that's over with, he heads off, hoping that he will find another willing female. There are now five polar bears here working on these whale remains. I see two more, three more, out there on the ice. And I keep looking around in every direction to make sure I'm not in anybody's way here. Unlike grizzly bears and black bears, polar bears usually don't spend their winter in a den. They stay active out there on the ice hunting seals, except for the pregnant female. Usually sometime in November, she'll make a den. Now she'll do that either out on the pack ice or in a deep snowdrift on land not very far at all from the coast. She digs a tunnel into the snow and hollows out an oval chamber at the end. There's a long entrance tunnel. That tunnel usually slopes upward. An important reason for that, that traps the air that's warmed by the bear's body heat. Snow is a good insulator. So the temperature inside the den is actually only a few degrees below freezing, even when it might be minus 50 degrees and blowing outside, as it can often do up here on the Alaskan Arctic coast. The cubs are born after about two months in the den. That's usually in the month of December, sometimes January. One to three cubs, usually two, as we have here with our female, who again is having a little grumpy spell with one of the two males that's in here. She is just leaning out with that long neck toward him and letting him know what for. Anyway, they're very tiny and furless when they're born. Usually weigh only about a pound and a half, but they grow very quickly, nursing on the mother's rich milk. Polar bear milk is almost 50% fat. Compare that to your 1% that you pick up at the grocery store. Now those little cubs that only weighed a pound and a half when they were born will weigh 15 to 25 pounds when they leave the den a few months later in March or April. So they really grow fast. They'll stay with their mom for two and a half years. These cubs here are undoubtedly cubs that were born this past year, so they're still fairly small. They stay with their mom for a couple of years, learning how to live, learning how to hunt 
out there on their frozen Arctic world. A lot of learning has to happen because their life is so complex. No matter how much they've learned from their moms, many polar bear cubs will die in the first year after leaving their mother to live independently. It's not an easy life out there on the ice pack. Mainly they die from starvation. Some young bears are killed by human hunters. A few are killed by other polar bears. It's probably why this female is being so aggressive toward the male. She's trying to keep it away from her cubs. The females have their first cubs at about age six, so we know our mother bear here is at least that old. From then on, they'll have a litter about every three years. Now, that's not very often. During her lifetime, this female polar bear here will only have cubs probably three to four times. That's a very, very slow reproductive rate. So if the polar bear population declines for some reason, it's very slow to rebuild. Well, as this big male polar bear stands up, looks straight at me. I can't help remembering that polar bears have a reputation for being dangerous to people. It's a widely held belief that polar bears will stalk human beings as prey, just like a human was a seal or something. There are lots of stories of bears wandering into camps out on the sea ice or along remote Arctic coasts, and nearly always those stories end with the polar bear going away. Well, there was a study done of the reported bear incidents in Alaska over the past 100 years, between 1900 and 2002, done by two biologists, Tom Smith and Stephen Herrero. Interestingly, they found just seven so-called incidents with polar bears over that whole century that they studied, and only two of those incidents resulted in injuries and one in a fatality. So very, very rarely has a human ever been attacked or killed by a polar bear. Herrero and Smith came to the following conclusion, quote, polar bears have not lived up to the commonly held belief that they, above all other bears, will stalk and hunt down a human. Grizzly bears, they say, are incomparably more dangerous. Nevertheless, a female bear like ours here, protecting her cubs is something to reckon with. And so, of course, is a starving polar bear that might be desperate for food. Not saying that polar bears are completely safe, but they don't deserve the reputation they have for being dangerous. Turning the equation the other way, oh, and I see another bear off there in the distance, dark against the brilliant white of the snow here. Oh, this is a female. I see two cubs following her. Well, for thousands of years, of course, native people throughout the Arctic have hunted for polar bears for their meat and their hide. Well, other people have hunted for polar bears in the past couple of centuries, since European explorers and whalers began coming up here to the far north. For example, some whaling ships spent winters frozen in Arctic harbors up here in the Beaufort Sea, not far from where I'm standing right now. Of course, those whalers killed polar bears for food every chance they got. And then beginning in the 1940s, polar bears were hunted in Alaska by sport hunters who came here from all over the world. They often used small planes to fly out over the ice to locate bears. Then they would land someplace nearby and shoot the animals, mainly for those big, beautiful hides, but of course also for the adventure and for what we might call the bragging rights. That sport hunting ended in 1972 in the United States when the Marine Mammal Protection Act was passed protecting polar bears from all hunting except for native people doing their subsistence hunts. There is still some sport hunting for polar bears in Canada, but all those hunters must be accompanied by a native guide. Nowadays, about 800 polar bears are killed each year throughout the entire Arctic, mostly by native subsistence hunters. Well, the biologists say that hunting 
who is not a threat to the polar bear population. But they do advise that polar bears face some serious problems as our industrial world encroaches on what used to be a very remote and almost untouched Arctic domain. For example, studies show that polar bears are now carrying pollutants in their bodies. Hard to imagine as I watch these six, seven animals. Whoa, there is, there is some more growling and action going on here. Hard to imagine that these animals may have DDT, mercury, PCBs, other organochlorides in their systems as a result of the worldwide increase in pollutants in the atmosphere and in the waters. Warming of the Arctic climate is also causing major changes and potential serious threats to polar bears. Here's a remarkable piece of information. In the past 30 years, the thickness of ice in the polar ice pack has decreased by 40%. And the extent of Arctic ice is diminishing by more than 500,000 square miles every year. And so the physical world in which polar bears live and on which they depend completely is rapidly shrinking. There are some climatic models that predict if the climate keeps warming at the present pace, the Arctic Ocean will be no longer covered with ice in the summer. And that means for polar bears that their world is gone. Polar bears are also encountering more industrial development in many parts of the Arctic. Except where they're drawn by food, like these whale remains along the coast at certain times of the year, polar bears tend to leave areas where there are lots of human activity. They don't particularly like our company, our noise, our fracas, our machines. And as I watch these animals, I think of how vulnerable polar bears are whenever they den on land. There's a fair likelihood that these two cubs were born in a den somewhere along the shoreline here or on the ice just offshore. In Alaska, actually the highest density of polar bear dens on land is right here along the coast of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The United States, incidentally, is the only Arctic nation that doesn't have a sanctuary set aside specifically for polar bears, but the Arctic Refuge has this particular role. It's also the only American national wildland where polar bears regularly den and give birth to their cubs. This is important because female polar bears only do that in places where they're not going to be disturbed. A disturbed polar bear will almost certainly leave her den, and if she does that, any cubs that she has will inevitably die. This has been another subject in a long debate over whether the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge should be opened for oil exploration and drilling and construction of an industrial petrochemical complex or whether the Arctic Refuge should remain as it is today. Well, this gathering of polar bears here reminds me of Churchill over in Manitoba, Canada on the coast of Hudson Bay. Every year, polar bears in that area attract crowds of tourists, wildlife enthusiasts, filmmakers, photographers from all over the world. And so the polar bears themselves in that area have actually become an industry for the community of Churchill. Perhaps a similar potential might exist for these bears here on the Beaufort Sea coast and for the people of Alaska's coastal Arctic villages. It's a fascinating chapter in the long and intertwined history of people and polar bears here on the far frozen edge of the North American continent. Listen to these polar bears right now. I see one, two, three, 
four more heading this direction. What a place to be right now, keeping company with polar bears, something that I absolutely never imagined I'd have the chance to do. And I'm so glad that you've been here with me for Encounters. I'm Richard Nelson. Thanks so much for your good company. I'll see you next time. Encounters is a production of KCAW in Sitka, Alaska. This program was written and narrated by Richard Nelson, edited by Ken Fate, produced by Lisa Bush. Theme music by Outback. Encounters is funded by the National Science Foundation and by the Kenneth Johnson Foundation, Alaska Conservation Foundation, Jerry Tone, Martha Wyckoff, Sue Cohn, the Skaggs Foundation, and the Scott A. Nathan Charitable Trust. For more information about the show, visit us online at encountersnorth.org.